You are worthy and you do wondrous things. Father, this morning we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. We present ourselves a living sacrifice, holy through the blood of Jesus, holy through the blood of Jesus, acceptable unto you. That's our reasonable service. It is our worship this morning. And Father, as you are holy, you have called us to be holy. When we were singing that song, where we were, the angels cry holy, I was reminded of something that, I believe it was John Bevere, that was on Rick Renner's faith deal. He has a book called The Awe of God. and he, was, he said, you know, when the angels are standing around the throne, God is love. We know God is love. But when the angels are around the throne, they're not crying out, love, love. They're gathered around the throne and they're crying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. And in that holiness, there is perfect love. In that holiness, there is perfect power. It's all wrapped up in the, man, maybe we need to do a study on holy. Holy, holy, oh man, did you feel the anointing move in the room when y'all were singing that? It was just like, oh, and I could just picture our, our loved ones that have gone on before us. You know, they're in the presence of God and they're joining the angelic host crying holy. And then we here on earth are, are echoing holy. And there's just this whole dynamic that happens in the spiritual realm. And I got to thinking and I tr was trying to find the verses, I found one of them. I couldn't find the one particular one I was looking for. This is in Leviticus. He said, For I am the Lord your God, and you shall therefore sanctify yourselves. And you shall be holy, for I am holy. And you know, this study that we've been doing on, this our sixth week, talking about maturing. He's made us Holy. We're not working to be holy, but we're changing to live out what He has made us to be. And so when we, when we think of that word, oh, I've got to be holy, it doesn't mean you have to wear your hair in a bun or it doesn't mean any works, but there are things in us that He changes because he is holy and He has made you holy. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Y'all can be seated in the congregation. And what time's the game start? 5.30. Oh, praise God. Because I got five pages of notes. I can spend about an hour on each one. Get Todd home in time. I was going to ask him if he wore that cardinal shirt under the chief shirt in case the chiefs didn't do too good today. But then I thought about the cardinal season. And even though I am a cardinals fan, I don't know that that was the right shirt to put under it. But you're a loyal fan, so. <laughs> Part six. Apparently we need to grow up. I don't know. I've enjoyed this study so much. And I appreciate y'all sticking with it. Um, I think this is the last one I'm going to do on where do I need to grow up. We left off last week in Titus 2. I want to remind us of a statement that we, that we studied, a verse that we studied in an earlier session. If you got the notes, I've got all the previous verses used. If you go to the QR code uh, at the entrances of the sanctuary, you can just link to that and get the notes. So I put the, all the other scriptures that we've covered in the previous five weeks uh, in those notes. But Hebrews 5.11 has continued to stir in me where he said, by this time you ought to be teachers. By this time you ought to be teachers. And we talked about this last week. 
about the Fruit Loops, right? Share your Fruit Loops. We talked about that. I appreciate all the gifts of Fruit Loops that I got this last week. I thought today we would compare this to pecan pie. got to learn how to work them. (laughs) So we, I'm not going to reteach last week's. We we ended up in Titus 2, talking about growing up. We're talking about sharing what we've learned. No matter what stage we are in our Christian walk, sharing what we know. Sharing what we've learned. Set an example you know, and I thought, you know, so, so easy for people to feel condemned that we really have to battle that because I don't believe God condemns us. I believe the Holy Spirit convicts us and there's just a whole world of difference because if you condemn me for one, eating one snicker, I'm going to want to eat the whole bags of snickers. But if you convict me in a training sense, then it gives me strength. To not eat the whole bag of Snickers. Are you with me? Anybody speak in Snicker language? Okay. So, you know, when we read these and we study these, and last week we talked about the men uh, in Titus 2. Don't be condemned if that hasn't been your lifestyle. Hope what we saw is no matter where we are in our Christian walk, we can teach those around us. And we can be taught by those around us. Always. And so we're going to pick up, I'm going to read through the first part. I'm going to insert the definitions that we gave last week, and then we're going to jump right into uh, verse 3. We got, we got through two verses last week. All right, Titus 2, verse 1, You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Speak the things that become sound doctrine through talking about it. Teach the older, aged, mature men, teach them to be temperate, to be sober, to be not intoxicated, not distracted, but to be self-restrained, to be vigilant, to be worthy of respect, grave and honorable, to be self-controlled and sound in faith, rooted in sound biblical doctrine and in agape love and in endurance or patience, which is the fruit of of ripened experience in a life of faith that has developed patience. We talked about all of that last week. And I told you, ladies, I hope you enjoyed that because he ties us in right here in verse 3. I'm going to be reading this out of the King James Version on this portion. I think there's some important, very important words in the King James Version that we need to talk about. Verse 3, ready, ladies? The aged or mature women, the aged mature women likewise. So all of that, that was above, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Now, I think it's important for us to look at this word behavior. Because typically in, in, in doctrine, in religious doctrine, even in Christianity... We have connected holiness to a look. But holiness is in heart. And therefore, it, it affects our living, right? We kind of preached that to you in the worship service. Behavior. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Behavior. This means that they demeanor. That speaks to me a little bit of attitude, right? Their demeanor, the whole perception that they give off. It means not just in actions, but in movements, in speech, and expression. Older women, we are supposed to be in behavior, in our demeanor, in our actions, in our movements, in our speech, and in our expression, as becometh holiness. Now, holiness in this passage means like we're in sacred service. Ladies, you're called to a sacred service. 
It means a person who's consecrated or set apart and devoted to God for his use. So our demeanor is supposed to show forth that we are devoted to God, set apart for his use in our expressions, in our actions, in our movements, in our speech. And you know, the, the fine line on this is nobody wants to come up here, especially if you came from this background, and stand on a soapbox and, and say, you got to wear this and not wear that, or, you know, wear your hair this way or don't wear your hair this way, or do get this or don't get that. But can we not just read this and know that we know That we stand in front of our own mirror and we hear this word and that we can self-restrain and self-correct ourselves. I shouldn't have to stand up here and say this. But sometimes our speech needs to be cleaned up. And, and I have to work on this too. And I'm not talking about cussing. Okay, I'm just talking about is what I'm expressing through my communication, does it becometh holiness? What I'm singing, I got tickled because the other day I heard this commercial and I was, I was doing my workout and I thought, oh man, this would be an amazing workout song. You know, one of those just makes you want to move. And it had a little sass to it, you know, had a good beat to it. And I thought, man, that's going to help. I, I need help. And, it, you know, it's not worship music during workout. It, it's a Kirk Franklin stomp or something. And so I was listening to this song, so I thought, I'm going to look it up. Oh, my stars. <laughs> oh, my stars. I was like, ah! You know, I was trying to, like, get it off my phone. It's like, oh, my goodness, if anybody hears me playing this. It didn't becometh holiness. It didn't even get the first word out to express holiness. It was like, whoo, the F-bomb, the B-bomb. It was just like all the alphabet bombs. It was, you know, that feeling like when something pops up on your screen and you're like, ah, and you just, you just can't hit the buttons fast enough. We, we need to protect. We need to protect ourselves. We really do. And we're, we have so much access to so many things. Just remember, ladies, that we are to be in behavior, expression, speech, communication, movements, actions, as becometh holiness, because we're in a sacred service. We've been consecrated. We've been set apart. And we have been devoted. We are devoted for God's use. And it needs to be expressed in our demeanor. Adam Clark said it this way, his commentary. He said, be adorned with holiness within and without. So what, what's in our hearts, our, our connection to God, needs to be expressed in the way we communicate. It needs to be expressed in the way I dress. God's not boring. I think he likes hot pink velvet. <laughs> right? Front row? God likes hot pink. It's not that, it's not that you, have to wear, you have to wear dull colors. And, but girls, sometimes we need to look. Can, can we just park here a minute? Because prom season cometh. I am so thankful that long dresses were in style when my daughter was being raised. I'm just going to tell you, I let those dresses hit the floor on prom night. Not on, no. <laughs> Would all the men in the congregation please focus right here, right now. That is not what I meant. Let the bottom of the dress... I'm not saying your girls have to wear long dresses, but my goodness. Can I, can I talk real plain today? 
do we have anybody under age in here today that can't handle it? Because if you can't handle what I'm fixing to say, just slip on out the door. (sighs) Booty dresses speak. I'm telling you, let's, let's respect each other's gender. Let's teach young men. It doesn't matter what she has on, you respect that body because that body belongs to God. And then let's teach that young lady, men are sight-oriented. Don't you do that to your brother in Christ. Because your clothing expresses something. And so many times I want to say, I don't because it's not my business, but I can't up here. Where's your daddy? Because what you think you're saying may not be what that boy's reading. So let's respect each other. And y'all, I'm not just talking about prom. Some of you 60-year-olds, we need, we, 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 we. And this isn't a clothesline whipping service. This is scripture. He's establishing sound doctrine here. And and we're supposed to be in behavior as becometh holiness set apart, devoted to God. I believe God has personality. Express your personality and God's personality that he's put into you through your clothing. So apparently God's a Chiefs fan. You know, no, 49ers fan. Okay, we could start a fight right here in the congregation, have to teach on forgiveness. But God has personality. So let express God's personality. But stand in the mirror. And don't, don't express what you don't need to express. Good enough? The word for it is modesty. We need to let our outward appearance express who we are, and that should express who God is. Be cute. You know, you can still dress loud. You can dress soft. You can dress elegant. You can dress sporty. You can, you can, you can be expressive. God's not boring, but however we express ourselves, let it be expressing who God is. Good enough? Okay, let's just... Whew. Get through that, all the blunders I made, and um, hope you enjoyed those. Don't be false accusers. That's the next thing. Not false accusers. Now, interesting thing here when you look up this word false accusers in the Greek. Diabolos. Anybody in here know what diabolos is used for? Devil. What? Yep, yep. You know what? This culture that we live in today makes it so easy to be brave speaking against people because it's not face-to-face. So it's so easy to be false accusers, to be diabolos. You know why? And immediately my mind went to the scripture in Revelations 12 where it calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. So when you look up false accusers, it's Diabolos, and it means devil, uh, it describes him as a slanderer and spreading criticisms. Because we're very opinionated. And it used to that we respected other people's opinions. Or we agreed to disagree. But now we want to slander, false accuse, and spread our criticism. 
He says, no, ladies. And just like the, we applied what was said to the men to us, I'm going to ask that the men also apply what is said to them. Because I don't think he would tell us, ladies, not to be false accusers and tell the men to be false accusers. Right? So don't be false accusers. Don't be spreading criticism. Don't be spreading slander. And don't be the accuser of the brethren. Don't fit the definition, Diabolos. Don't be given to much wine. I want to spend a little bit of time here, and I want you to circle the word given to, because I think that is a very important statement here. And, and I'll just say up front, I don't drink alcohol. Uh, I was raised up in a Christian home. We, we, we did not grow up on alcohol. Uh, I wasn't really around people that were on alcohol unless they were at our house because they needed counseling. And so I kind of started picking up on some things. And, and what I started picking up on is that we're, if people were given too much, and some people, if given to any, there was an issue. And so this word given to means enslaved. It means uh, given to much wine means intoxicated. It means drunkenness. And... One of the commentaries I read, it was really good. It said, most impurity is closely related to this. So you're the one, just like with clothing, you have to stand in front of the mirror. And I also think it's important that we not self-medicate with alcohol. Because if you self-medicate with alcohol, you're not leaning on God you're leaning on a substance. And, and really, I think this could apply to all substances. Uh, when, we're, when we're leaning on something else for comfort instead of God, I think we're, we're going down a slippery slope. And so please, please know I'm not up here preaching. If you had a glass of wine last night, you're going to hell. But I think you could, just like the clothing, you got to stand in front of the mirror and you got to read this and say, okay. Father, you show me. Holy Spirit, you talk to me. Matthew Henry said, don't justify any excesses. Don't justify any excesses. We get on gluttony, we can get on anything right there. Don't justify any excess. And... With, with alcohol, and I think one thing that gave me the strength not to go there. First of all, I don't like to be out of control. <laughs> I didn't want to make a fool of myself. I saw people make fools of themselves in high school. I saw through, you know, my parents counseling people all my life that most of the time where there was adultery, um, and things of that nature, alcohol was usually tied to it. And so my mind just automatically said, I don't think that's something I want to do. And then as I grew older and we began to minister uh, in different addiction centers, I was like, I don't think I want to because what if one of my children or grandchildren can't? can't control that what if what if there is an addiction in them and I'm the one that brings that to life in them when they would never be alive in them if they didn't and I began to see people struggle right I mean struggle they would they would all but give their life to quit different addictions and I just began to think I because in anything, and, and y'all got real quiet. Y'all love the dress dropping thing, but this one's not hitting so well. It's part of the dress dropping sometimes, too, so it could kind of fit here. Um, if there's something, is it something you want the next generation to do and increase in? Is it something you want the next generation to do and increase in because typically that's how it happens 
So, man, it really goes with the next statement in the verse. Be teachers of good things. Is this good? Stand in front of the mirror. I'm not judging you. But stand in front of the mirror and say, is this good? Am I teaching through my example? Because y'all teaching isn't just done with our words. In fact, that's really kind of the last thing. When I stand in front of the mirror, is what I'm doing, whatever it is in any of these things, is what I'm teaching a good thing. The Passion Translation puts it this way, be teachers of beautiful things. Is this a beautiful thing? Is this showing them something beautiful? Is this showing them something good? This isn't just for our children. These are for the people sitting around us. If it's good, if it's right, and it's beautiful, do it. Do it. Teach it. You know, the word that, that's, you know, everywhere right now and has been for several years, influencer. That's what Christians are supposed to be. And I'm not talking about TikTok necessarily. But to be an influencer, what is this influencing? Y'all, this is a tough message, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad that y'all love me. The guys was so good. And I just felt like we built the men up, and then here we go on the women. This is a build-up. Lady, you are an influencer. I don't care how many followers you have. You have somebody following and God sees that one person, two person, three person, a thousand person, however many you influence, he sees that so powerful that he covers it here in the scripture and he wants you to know to be a teacher of good things. And you're going to find out how important it is here when we finish up these verses. It's, it's that big of a deal how you are influencing the people around you. And this is a two-part responsibility, just like with the guys. There's the responsibility to teach good things, and there's the responsibility to learn good things. Because if you weren't brought up learning good things, you can learn good things. And then you can teach good things. We don't blame stuff on the people above us or around us. If we want to seek change, we can seek change. If an older woman, mature woman, says something to you, Whether you think she's right or wrong, I want you to pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. You'll have to judge if it's it's right or wrong, but if an older, mature woman gives you a statement of warning or correction or direction, pay attention to it. Will you do that for me? And that goes, I mean, if you're in your 80s, you're still learning. So verse 4 says, this is why, be teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, that they may teach, discipline, correct, and make of sound mind the young women to be sober, which means wise, self-regulated, unintoxicated. And that doesn't just mean with alcohol. It means unintoxicated where... Your mind's not fully alert and in it. We're supposed to be sober. How many times do we hear that word sober and unintoxicated when we're talking about the guys? We're we're supposed to be clear-headed, able to hear the voice of God, able to notice things spiritually that can't be physically discerned. And so we're supposed to teach the young women to be wise, self-regulated, intoxicated, And we're supposed to teach the young women, to love their husbands. Women, we can, we can be taught to love and how to love our husbands. We can be taught and teach how to love husbands. When I, I was thinking back about when this was written in all the arranged marriages, you know, like 
it was already set who you were going to marry. And you get married, you might need to be taught how to love your husband. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, you can, but you can learn how to love your husband. Now, this word love here is not agape. Yeah, we're to agape love our husbands with unconditional love. But this word love is P-H-I-L-A-D-R-O-S. P-H-I-L, not that y'all need to know Greek. P-H-I-L-A-D-R-O-S. And it means to be fond of, to be affectionate with as a wife, and to be lovers of their husbands. And, and this is important because, you know, you hear people say, well, we just fell out of love. Great news. You can learn how to love your husband. Yes. Yes. To be fond of him. To be affectionate as a wife. To be lovers of your husbands. Because, and, and older ladies, please be careful how you talk about your aging mate. Because there's seasons to life. There's not just the newlywed stage and the we're having baby stage. There's seasons to life. And we have to learn and we have to adjust how to love. We have to adapt ourselves because we're devoted to our marriage, because we're devoted to God, we're devoted to our husbands. And the commentary, one of the commentaries I read said, when this kind of love departs the marriage, happiness departs the marriage. We're talking about the affectionate side. Not just sex, but affection. And we can learn how to love our husbands in every season of life. Because, ladies, we change. As we grow, as we mature, we want different, different kinds of affection and love. It's, it's one, one way when you first get married. It's another way when you're tired, you've got kids, you're chasing dogs and kids. I don't even want to know the number of combination of dogs and kids that you have. But, you know, there's, you know, there's just a whole nother, you're working, you're working long hours, guys. You know, you're in that part of your life. And then about the time you get it all figured out, boom, somebody retires. Now, now what? And I, I hear women talk about their men in retirement and really, the ladies, this is a big struggle because now the guy's going with them to the grocery store. <laughs> Honey, let me go with you. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. Here we, here we go. Guys, just say, I'll stay home and I'll unload the groceries when you get here. Okay? Just... But, but, you know, who talks about this? Well, you do talk about it. And when you talk about it, I hear it. And Rusty wants to retire someday. So he would really appreciate it if y'all would, on the retirement husbands. But really, we, we have to adjust. Now, all of a sudden, somebody's around when we had our alone time. Okay, okay, Holy Spirit. Show me, Miss Betty, show me how to love. Mr. Al's watching, so you just shake your head and smile. I know he watches live stream. Show me how to love my husband now. Show me how to love my wife now. Ask some people. Ask some people that are still happy after their husband's retired. They're having fun. They're doing stuff. They still have goals and visions and plans out in front of them. Ask them, hey, how do I adjust to this time period in my life? It's better than y'all amen. Teach them how to love their husbands. I'm going to say learn how to love them in this season. Teach them to love their husbands. Teach them to love their children. What? 
See, I grew up under a lot of maternal women for generations. As long as I can see up the family tree on both sides, amazing women. And my meemaw had like 11 kids-ish. And I'm just thinking, oh, my stars. And mom's like, well, by the time some of us were born, some of them were moving out. You know, it's like, I still, I just can't, I can't imagine. But and my granny and my meemaw and, and even Mama Brown. And I mean, we could just go on up the tree of these women that love their children, but it says here to teach them how to love their children. And I always just thought maternal instinct came natural, but now I've learned that that was made easy for me because of my examples. And so I want to take the shame and the guilt off of you not feeling maternal. If you got a baby and you ain't feeling it for that baby, you can learn. And some people go through postpartum depression, and that's a chemical hormone thing that goes on, and it kind of passes. But just know, there are other women in this church that have gone through it. I can connect you to them. They can talk to you about that. You do not have to sit in a dark place in your life holding your baby, wondering what on earth you're doing. There are other women who are here who are willing to share their experience, and they can help you walk through this. And you are maternal by God, and you can be taught to love your children. Sometimes experiences take what is natural out of us. Many times we just need how to learn to love each child. Or I'm going to say, Lord, how do I love this child? We study love languages for marriage. We got love languages with kids. How do I reach this child? How do I show love to this child? Because this child doesn't want me hugging them. My mama can tell you I was not a touchy-feely kid. And so she had to learn how to love this kid. And I'm sure it was challenging. Sorry, Rusty inherited it. Um, But this is true. One kid might want to cuddle and snuggle and sleep up against you and the next one's like put me in my crib leave me alone don't touch me lord talk to another mom ask them questions you got a strong-willed child talk to another mom that raised a strong-willed child how do i love this child don't sit there and struggle when you've got people and the scripture instructs us and don't get offended if somebody asks you a question on how you raised your child share what you know share what you learned share what you did wrong so that we can grow together. And you know 2 Timothy 2 talks about not having natural affection. I'm sorry, it's 3. 2 Timothy 3. Not having natural affection. It can be taught. It can be taught. I want to read to you something that Barnes said in his commentary, and this is just life-altering. Christianity reproduces natural affection when sin has weakened or destroyed it. I'll read it again. Christianity reproduces natural affection when sin has weakened or destroyed it. So if that happened to you, whatever that is, as a child or as an adult, and it took what was natural out of you, whether that be attraction to the opposite sex or attraction to anyone at all or, or loving your children, Christianity, if you're willing, Christianity will reproduce natural affection that sin has weakened or destroyed. Oh, man. This, this is a continuation of the quote. It is the design of Christianity... To recover and invigorate 
all the lost or weakened sensibility of our nature. It is the design of Christianity to recover and invigorate all the lost or weakened sensibility of our nature. God can fix that. He can give that back to you if you want that back. And he can use other people to help you learn it. This would cover maternal or paternal. This would cover any kind of relationship. That life has stolen God's design from you. It can be recovered and invigorated. I love that. All right. Let's get back to Titus 2. Verse 5. Teach the young women to be discreet. This means self-controlled, using good judgment, curbing desires and impulses. Self-control. Be discreet. Be self-controlled. Use good judgment. Curb those desires. Curb those impulses. Ladies, you can teach that to the women around you, mainly by example, but also through communication. One of the commentaries I read said, it's hard for undisciplined people to discipline and bring up others. It's hard for undisciplined people to discipline and bring up others. And I'll just tell you, this is a whole other reason I've worked on my physical strength. Because he told me to add to my faith excellence. Next, I'm going to work on cleaning my car. (laughs) So I thought I'd just sell it and get a new one. That way I could just kind of start fresh. But um, yes, this is important. Teach the younger generation to be discreet, to use good judgment, curbing those desires, and to be disciplined. Teach them to be chaste, which means pure in heart and pure in lifestyle. We need this word. We need this word. We need to bring it back to excellence. Not perfection, but excellence of heart. Teach them to be keepers at home. I love this one. I love home. I'm thankful I had a mother that loved home. Grandmothers that loved home. If you love to work, that doesn't mean you don't love home. I, I work. I love home. We need, but if you don't love home, you can learn to love home. Because he just told the older women to teach you how to be keepers at home. This means to be workers at home, not neglecting the home. I loved this one, to be guardians of the house. Ladies, you're guardians of the home. It means to be managers of home. And you can also refer to 1 Timothy 5.14 on that. Managers of the home. This is so true. Ladies, you need to have a feel of what's going on in the home. What's coming into your home. What's going out of your home. This is a holy calling. And you can learn how to be that. Look at some women around you, not that are perfect, but that have learned how to be guardians of their house. And like I said, it doesn't mean you don't work outside the home because Proverbs 31 talks about her going and buying a vineyard. It talks about the work of the woman of Proverbs 31. But yet she did not neglect home. We keep our fingers on the pulse of the home. We know when something's wrong. They don't even have to tell us. We just know when something doesn't feel right in our homes. You can't get that feel if you are not emotionally, mentally present in your home. So we can't get so busy with what we're doing out here as a Proverbs 31 woman that we lose sensitivity to what's going in and out of our homes. It's a privilege, it's a responsibility, and it cannot be neglected. Be present even when you're not there. Your mind is towards home. Everything you do is for home. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6 tells us that in the last days, the entrance that the enemy has to our families is through the distracted woman. 
In fact, he calls her silly woman. Silly women always out there seeking and never finding. And that's how the manipulator gets into your home. Ladies, if you don't think your position in your home is important, you are missing the scripture. It's important. We better get with it, huh? It's 1140. Todd's sweating over there. The next word he tells us to be in Titus 2 is good. What a simple word. Be a good woman. It means kind. You look it up, it means kind. One of the commentaries I was reading said, What higher characteristics can you say about someone than they are good? Of all the things we try to be, of all the accolades and awards and accomplishments that we think we need to be as women, What higher one can there be than when my husband says, you're a good woman? Or as Proverbs 31, he praises you and your children rise up and they call you blessed. There's no better word than this right here. I just love how simple that is. If if somebody looks at you and says, you're a good woman, you're wearing the crown. I mean, that's just a good day. Be a good, kind Woman. Proverbs 31 speaks about on her tongue or in her mouth is the law of kindness. A lot of times, well, always, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't know. Am I good? Am I kind? Or is this something I need to learn? If you're not good and kind, you can learn. Because he just told the older women to teach you how to be good. You can learn. Teach them to be obedient to their husbands. This means to put, to place yourself under your husbands. This is about heart attitude, not just actions. This this word obedience is a little deceiving here. Because it it is about a heart attitude to place yourself, submit yourself, Ephesians calls it, under your husband. And before, we, I think we talked about this last week or week before last. You know, girls, when you're dating somebody, it might be a good idea to look at his picture and say, I submit myself to you and see how that feels. Because if you don't trust him enough, To look at it and say, I submit myself to you. You do not need to marry him. And guys, look at yourself in the mirror and say, she's going to submit herself to my authority. Can she do that? Can I ask a daughter of God to submit herself to me? Can I ask a daughter of God to submit herself to me? Ephesians 5.21 is a good scripture if you want to write it down. And then I want to ask you the question, what if submission is a problem? Because some of you are already married. Oh, we'll talk to the people out there, TV land. Some of you are already married, and now there's a submission problem because you didn't marry a guy that you could look at and say, I submit myself to you because what they're asking you to do is not good. Our goal here is to keep any young woman in this house from being in that position. So we're going to talk about it. And I realize submission and obedience is not a popular subject. But we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it because I don't want, I don't want you to have to come and say, although you can, and say, I can't submit to him in this area because it, it's not good. I want to give you a scripture for that, okay? Uh, Colossians 3, 18 and 19. Because Colossians 3, 18 and 19 instructs a woman to submit herself to her husband as it is fit in the Lord. And there you go. So I gave this example the other day online. If Rusty comes in and says, babe, uh, we need a little extra money. I'm, I need you to drive the car while I go in the bank. 
I'm going to look at Rusty and say, I'm not robbing a bank. I love you. I'll help you. I'll help you raise money. We'll, we'll, sell, we'll sell something. We'll do what we need to do. If we need some money, I'll, go to, I'll work extra hours. We can both, but I am not. That is submitting because I still have a, a submission heart attitude, but I am not going to do wrong. Trying to do right in being obedient. If he wants me to do drugs, I'm, I'm going to tell him, I love you, but I'm not, I'm not going to do wrong to be right. So this, this verse, if, you know, I just really want to make sure you got that Colossians 3, 18 and 19, that we are to submit to our husbands as it is fit in the Lord. So you keep a right heart attitude and decline. Can any of the husbands in the house say yes? You don't want your wife doing bad. You really don't. You may think you do, but you really don't. Because bad spirals out of control. Is that good enough? And he says, I want you to teach the younger women all of these things so that the word of God will not be blasphemed. This is how important, ladies and gentlemen, that your role is in life, that your lifestyle is in culture. Because if... We are out there just, you know, hypocritically, and I, I, I don't use that word very often, but boasting about our Christianity, but yet our lifestyle is, is flippant. It's one thing if you're learning and you're growing. It's like we've talked about all these weeks. If you're learning to walk and you fall down, we don't throw out the baby. We, we keep working with them until they learn to walk without falling, we, until they're strengthened in that. So we're not saying you have to be perfect, and we're not going to look at people and say, oh, they're a hypocrite when they're growing. A hypocrite is when you should be mature, and you're just flippantly declining to grow up in that area. There's a huge difference. So I hate it when I hear people say, they're a hypocrite, or I'm gonna th people are going to think I'm a hypocrite. When they're growing, we've got to be spiritually discerned enough. In fact, it's only the spiritually mature that are supposed to do the correcting in that area. So that the word will not be blasphemed. So that it won't cause dishonor to the word so that it won't cause a reproach on the gospel that's how powerful the example of our life is it can give people a negative about the gospel or it can give them a positive about the gospel and that's what i'm saying don't be condemned if you're not perfect obviously um, because even you changing in front of people is a powerful testimony and it both are powerful Hey, I grew up in this, and, and life has been very successful because you grew up on the Word, and you did things the way the Word said. That's a great testimony. But so is, I was this way, and Jesus Christ turned me into a new man, into a new woman. This is what the Word did in my life. That's also a powerful testimony. And so he goes on in verse 6, and he, he's really easy on the young men. He says, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. <laughs> exhort to be sober-minded. The young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, moderate, sound-minded. In all things, oh, in all things, not just your church life, your gym life, your school life, your baseball life, in, all, in your marriages, in all things, show yourself a pattern of good works. You're supposed to be the, a pattern. You're supposed to be a pattern. 
and in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity and sincerity, or purity, honesty, and genuineness. See, people like genuine. They like genuine. So set yourself as a pattern of good works in sound speech. This is the word logos. It means communication and what's behind it. The why to what you're saying. Set yourself as an example in doctrine and in sound speech in your communication and all that's behind it. Because see, you can say the right thing for the wrong reasons. But he wants you to be in sound speech, logos, communication. That cannot be condemned. You look it up, it means doesn't need censoring. It cannot be condemned. There's nothing wrong with it. No need to censor. There's nothing wrong with it. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you. That he that is antagonistic about the gospel will be ashamed that he even spoke against the Christian because there is nothing evil they can say about you. That's a good day. That's what we're gunning for. That's what we're aiming for. And so, you know, live to teach the gospel. Can we just sum it up with that? Live to teach the gospel. So others will live to teach the gospel. Live, set your lifestyle, your way of being in such a way that it teaches the gospel. This is the maturing of the saints. This is what we've spent six weeks trying to say. Live to teach the gospel. Live to show the gospel. We didn't just get saved to save us from hell. We got saved and now we're teaching. We're teaching. You may not have a microphone, but you're teaching. You're a pattern of good works. Amen? Amen. All right, y'all can stand. How'd I do, Todd? I got the ink. That's a, this has been such a strong passage in Titus 2. And, and I just really want you to appreciate your gender. We got a society that wants to erase gender. But God didn't. He, he celebrated gender. And when it was just male, he said, hey, it's not good for this man to be alone. And then for woman, woman needs the man. I mean, we, the gospel needs the gender. Because both genders teach so much about who God is. So let's, let's use it in the right direction. Amen. Father, we submit ourselves to your word. We submit ourselves to your word. And our own thoughts and our own opinions. It's just time to grow up. It's just time for me to grow up. Father, you are the one that is right, you are the one that is truth, and you are the one that is love. And if I understand that you are love, and that you are holy, and you are right, then I can trust to submit myself to you, and that you will help me and bring people across my path, and I will seek out people. We will seek out people to help us where we know we're weakened. And where we know we're wrong. Because if we want something bad enough, we'll find out the truth. And we will change. And if we mess up, we will not walk in condemnation. We will correct. And we will continue to grow in the maturity to such a degree that we can be a pattern for somebody. Not perfect, but a pattern. An example and so with that, we submit. I submit to your word. And I thank you that change can
continues to happen and growth continues to happen in our lives because of it. And the word of God will not be blasphemed, but it will be shown forth as truth and that your way is the right way. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.